I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did! Here we go. Seminars. All seminars in Wichita Falls. June is sold out, so next one up is going to be August 13th through the 15th, followed by October 15th through the 17th. For camps coming up, we do have a coaching development camp covering how to coach the squat and the deadlift. That'll be in Orlando on June 27th with limited availability. Then we have a self-sufficient lifter camp on July 10th in Wichita Falls covering the squat, the press, the deadlift, how to film yourself, and how to diagnose your own technique. We also have a squat camp on May 29th in Orlando. And then another squat camp June 19th in Houston at Starting Strength Houston. And then our first ever Olympic camp covering the snatch and the clean and jerk. That'll be in Starting Strength Denver on June 19th. For meets coming up, we have our usual USA weightlifting meets at Omaha, as well as a classic Olympic lifting meet in Wichita Falls, where we cover the snatch, the clean and jerk, as well as the clean and press. Starting Strength Gyms had some new locations open up, including Plano, Texas and Oklahoma City. If you've ever considered becoming a professional coach, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, click on the coaching tab, and learn more about that process. You'll most likely get linked up with Ina, who is probably one of the greatest people on the planet. Sorry, I have no good Ray Gillen Water Fun facts this week for you, but for any information or details on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Here we are on a Friday. And on this particular Friday, I'm going to have to apologize in advance for uh, what may be a less than perfect show. I hurt my knee real bad about a week and a half ago. And uh, I'm still in a lot of pain. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I'd rather not be here right now. But show must go on. I am a professional. Indeed. The show must go on. Therefore, the show will go on. After coming from, comments from, from the, the heaters. heaters. <laughs> this is. This is a particularly onerous batch <laughs> of a hater comments because I'm not feeling real good. But I, here I have to here I have to do this fucking shit anyway. All right, this is a real good one. I like this one. Love the irony of a man wearing a shirt labeled SS complaining about death camps. Now, when did I complain about death camps? I don't remember complaining about death camps. When have I ever said anything bad about death camps? Not that I remember. 
Fuck, I could think of lots of people who need to be in a fucking death camp. You know? And was in order for the, that to happen, there need to be death camps. Was he talking about so, the cages? He was talking about Joe Biden's cages, I think. I, what I, death camps would we be talking see, about? It says here, Rip talks about NPR, Starting Strength Radio. Oh, yeah. Where I'd said that... That, Trump, uh, that they believe that Trump has death camps. His, his death camps. Right. Yeah. If only... All right, Mateo says, so we have to pay now to watch the full episodes? The YouTube channel is going to be shitty clips like this one? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for the comment, Mateo. Yeah, here's one. He is fat. That's all it says. He is fat. Why is Bree laughing so hard? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? I never know what makes Bree laugh. So I, I can't <laughs> that's, really. That's can't a trigger really. there. Apparently, she likes that. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Zach says. I remember when Rip used to talk about strength training. Why is Zach so old that he remembers back in the twenties when I used to talk about strength training? <laughs> Oh, this one's good. There's a little poem. Yes, the poem. That's a good one. The jowls are pink. The book is blue. None of the callers have a clue. Bree is napping. We see the sound of one hand clapping. And adipose tissue. Why, that's... It's, uh, it's like Browning. <laughs> it's like Robert Browning wrote that. All right. You forgot one. This is the three types of jerks with Josh Wells. Uh, you forgot one. The Ripito. Oh. <laughs> that was written on there, too. Oh, the ha-ha? The ha-ha's. Yeah, somebody asked me about. Somebody made some stupid goddamn reference to jerks when I posted that thing that Wells had done. And you know, I said, "Well, what, what, what are we gonna do? What are you guys gonna do when we talk about snatches?" Right. That was the you funny. Know? Or thing. Are we gonna have twelve-year-old goddamn? You know. Yeah, that was the funny thing back in oh seven oh eight when CrossFit got real right. big. Everybody had snatch jokes. Snatch jokes, dirty clean, which we had all had back in dirty. the 80s, yeah. you know. Dirty snatches and right. all that bullshit. Dirty, nasty snatches that were out of line. Or... <laughs> Fuck. Out of the lay public. Yeah, it's cute. They don't deserve us. No, they really that's don't. That's why we make them pay. That's what, that's what the fee is for. Right. So you stupid motherfuckers kick some in. And if you don't want to kick them in, then go Shitty away. clips all you get. Shitty clips on this Starting Strength channel on YouTube. It's all that's left to you. You know, skin in the game time, boys and girls. At least it's not a pay site. Yeah. How long do we threaten to do that? Yeah. And we never did it. Never did it. Never did a pay site, did we? Right. No, we allowed 
these idiots to come on and post over and over and over again on the uh, free free site. Yep. Yeah. Let's let's see. Here's guy says not at all why I subscribed. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I suspect I won't be the only one. We hope not. <laughs> oh, and here's the always helpful. Stick to covering barbell training. Yes. <laughs> so, political commentator now? Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I've ever... First time. First, first time, time it's happened. <laughs> right? He's new. We lost his subscrib- subscription, though. Well, here's a, here's a guy that's going to really enjoy today's fucking program. The clean and deadlift pull are not the same. Obviously. Hips are much higher in the conventional dead. I still agree with wearing lifters, Mm. with wearing lifters for overall strength, though. T-H-O. What does he mean by that? He means weightlifting shoes. Oh, weightlifting shoes. He's calling them lifters. The kids call them lifters. Yeah. Really? Clean and the deadlift pull are not the same, despite the fact that they should be. <laughs> they're not the same. You know how we know that they're not the same? Because we've been doing this for 35 years, <laughs> and we know they're not the same, but we've arrived at a different conclusion, and I'm going to talk about that in a little while. Okay, and here is a guy that says, I thought Rip was going to fall asleep around 45 seconds in. You might hurt your back starting strength radio previews. (sighs) (laughs) And that's comments from from the haters. <laughs> they don't disappoint. You know, there was some concern. No. The comment hater comments would drop off a bit. I think we're no, they're no, going strong. I think we're just going strong. Yeah. I think we're going strong. You can't get rid of haters. Can't do it. You know why? Because they're not smart enough to do anything else. Yeah. They have no other no other outlet. They have no other hobbies. They sit there pulling their little TT and <laughs> typing on the goddamn internet about things they don't understand. And then checking to see if anybody And then responded. checking to see if I read it on yeah, comments. Anybody from responded. So, you know, so this is a, here's a good argument. Why do we do this? For entertainment. Because it's funny to us. Right. Not because it's, it's you know, aggrandizing to these these poor, simple things that, Write things like that. Yeah. He is fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Seems to be the favorite segment for most people. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's the thing a- that unifies all of us, right? Right. Well, no matter what you're into, you know, you want to talk about living off the grid. You want to talk about Olympic lifting. You want to talk about the squat. None of that shit matters because we can all enjoy comments from the haters. Yes. Everyone enjoys comments yep. from the haters. Even the haters. Yep. Enjoy comments That's from right. the haters. That's right. 
Okay, so today we're going to talk about Olympic weightlifting. And the reason we're going to do this is because we have scheduled at Wichita Falls Athletic Club an Olympic weightlifting meet for July. And the date on that is what, July 19th? No, 24th. 24th of July. Hang on, let me check. Let's let's, let's not say let's, anything wrong here. Let's double check, as they say. Double check. Circle back. 24th. Check again. It's the 24th of July. And uh, so that gives those of you that are actually interested in this some time to get ready. Now, this is going to be a little bit different Olympic weightlifting meet than has been conducted anywhere that we know of in a long time. Now, there's, yeah, it's possible somebody's run a three-lift meet, but uh, we're going to do clean and press the snatch and the clean and jerk the way Olympic weightlifting was conducted prior to the 72 Olympics. 72 Olympics was the first Olympics without the clean and press. They had the good sense to shorten it to two lifts. Made it a lot easier to watch. Reduced the medal count because they insist on giving a medal for each one of the lifts instead of just the total. I've never understood that. But that's what they do. They give a medal for the tote for the for the snatch and the clean and jerk. And I think they also give a medal for the total in the Olympics. I I'm not sure though. Always it's always been like that. I, yeah, it has. And uh but again I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe they've changed it. They change the weight classes every three weeks. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell's going on over there anymore. I don't know why they keep doing this. The only thing that has ever made any sense to me is they want to reduce the metal count. Well, if you want to reduce the metal count, stop giving medals for the individual lifts and just give a medal for the total, which is what wins the meet, right? Why is it necessary to give a medal for the snatch? I, I don't understand it. But anyway, uh, we're going to do a three-lift meet just because why not, you know? Why not do a clean and press? a snatch, and a clean and jerk. Our weightlifting meets, our strength lifting meets that we do on a regular basis are the squat and the press, both of which are done out of the rack, and the deadlift, which is done off the floor. This will be a clean and press. So you got to clean your press and put it back down on the floor. It's going to be a snatch and a clean and jerk. So it's kind of like an Olympic weightlifting meet, in that there are no, there's no equipment on the platform except the barbell. And uh, the thing ought to run pretty fast, and I think there'll be a lot of people interested in this because we've all been training our presses recently, and everybody just can clean their press. You know, a guy like Chase can press anything he can clean. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see how this all works out. Uh, 24th of July here at Wichita Falls Athletic Club. Uh, how many are you going to allow to enter this thing? Are you going to keep the, the count down? This is going to take a while with all three of these lifts. I think I had it maxed out at uh, 30. 30? I think I had it maxed out at 30, and we probably have. So you want to do two flights? Is that how that would work? Yeah. Um, I didn't think. 
that many would sign up, but we're at over 20 now, right? Yeah, we're at over 20. 20 people have already signed up. So by the time you see this program, it may be too late to enter the thing. Uh, where, where have you had it advertised that people are signing up for this thing? Well, it's on our website. It's on startingstrength.com. Right. And, uh, it's on the events page then, of startingstrength.com. Yeah, and then either Bree or I post it on social media somewhere almost every day. Right. Well, it's, it's probably going to fill up. Yep. If we go to 30, it'll fill up. I don't really think this is going to take any longer to run than a three-lift strength lifting meet. In fact, it might go faster since there's no racks to deal with. Right. When the only thing that would make it take longer is the is the progressive loading on the bar, right? Yes, potentially now, that will add to the that will add to the length yeah. of time. Now, the the primary difference between an Olympic meet and a powerlifting meet in terms of the way they run is the fact that in powerlifting, everybody turns in their first attempt, and then everybody does their first attempt, and at the end of the first attempt, everybody turns in their second attempt and so on and so forth so that the bar is loaded to a weight that is already known it's already on the card and you can run through and load and and uh and be very efficient in terms of the number of minutes that each one of these attempts are going to take but we're at least on this first one we're going to do it the olympic weightlifting way and and load the bar in progression in other words the bar starts with each lift at the lightest attempt. So the person comes up and takes their first attempt. And then on the, and then the next weight called for is loaded on the bar. Now the next weight called for may very well be that same light lifters second attempt. So then the bar would be loaded and then that same lifter would take their second attempt. And when you follow yourself in an Olympic meet like this, you get two minutes to rest. So there's two minutes plus the loading time involved between each one of these lifts. And this has the potential to add quite a bit of time to, to the meet. So I would appreciate it if you would cut this off at 30 lifters. <laughs> because yeah. we're all going to be there a longer period so of it's, time. So it's two minutes plus loading time. So yes. once platform's ready, two minutes goes on the clock. So you drop your first attempt, you get lights. Right. Then the lifter comes to the expediter table, gives you second attempt. If that second attempt is lighter than the next card, the next lifter's first attempt, then the first lifter follows himself. Yep. So the bar is loaded, however long that takes, and then two minutes are placed on the clock. And the lifter will have two minutes in order to rest and prepare for his second attempt. And there are ways to, to, to use this rule in advanced levels of competition that, you know, there's some strategy involved in this. Yeah, that, like you call that, another attempt and add some time or what? Right. Like if the guy that's following you is one of your teammates, you can call a second attempt. They load the second attempt. You get two minutes. The clock starts. You stop the clock at one minute. So bump it up two kilos. Yeah, right. And then they stop, load the bar, two more kilos, start the time back up, and yep. you've 
probably got another 15 seconds added to that. And then you just don't go to the platform. You time out, and the next weight on the bar is loaded. So you've got the – you may have bought the guy four minutes. Sure. Yep. You know, and sometimes this is this is a good thing. Sometimes you can use it to your advantage, the other lifter's advantage. There's lots of different ways that this – adds a level of strategy to the meet that is not present in a round system meet like we normally do for strength lifting. So we're going to try it this way and just see if we can stand it. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, uh, I've had a lot of experience calling meets like that, so we'll get it all figured out. But I I think it's going to take quite a bit longer to do it this way than, uh, I was in favor of the rounds. You, you yeah. had written it as rounds, and then uh, yeah, I mean, we started off with the idea that the rounds, and you know, Steph yelled about it. So, yep. I, I just want to try it. Yeah, let's try it. Let's happens. try it and see what happens. Are the jumps and one kilo uh, usually the, in Olympic meets? Olympic meets all operate on the one kilo rule, just like we do yep. in strength lifting, and uh, we're going to do the one kilo rule. Uh, in this, you know, that's what that's one of the weird ass things about powerlifting is that they've got women in in powerlifting that have no business taking yeah. a two and a half kilo jump between their second and third attempt. Right, especially on a bench. Especially on a bench, yeah. it's too big a jump. You have to come in with an artificially stupid first attempt yep. in order to get really what you want when a one kilo rule why not do a one kilo rule in right. powerlifting? oh because hey we got this we're usapl we're the ipf we got this we we know our sport except that they, they don't so uh yeah they they know their sport so well that they cannot articulate the reason for calling up in the press in the bench press right. but not in the squat yep how that makes the slightest bit of sense no one has ever explained yep depends it's just the ask. way they do it you know yeah it depends who you ask and they'll th- some of them will say that it makes judging easier how, how does it make how judging does it easier make it gives you one more thing to have to decide about right how does it make judging easier more shit to judge is easier than less shit to judge. Yeah. I mean, if you can judge depth on the squat, you can judge a pause, right? whether that occurred on the bench press. But why would you want to pause on the bench press? Yeah. How's that ever made any fucking sense? Right. I understand you don't want to heave, yep. but if you can judge a pause, surely you can determine whether there was a heave. Right. None of it makes any sense. Yeah. So we're trying to return logic and reason, both scarce commodities these days, <laughs> to our lifting meets. And uh, and so our little three lift meet will take place at the end of July. And I've you know if you're seeing this, I'm telling you it's probably too late to uh, probably too late to uh, sign up. Because this is, people like to do fun stuff like this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Either way we do it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It may take till eight o'clock that night to get through. I don't think so, but it'll it'll be a long. I hope not. The only thing I'm worried about is a long flight. 
the one of the reasons our meets run so well is because we have all this technology and shit that you know the loaders can already see the next weight and they're already preparing right. to load the next weight so this is i mean there's nothing out there that will allow us to run a three lift olympic lifting meet because all the software for olympic meets is for two lifts Right. Unless I adapt some powerlifting stuff to this, which we might be well, able to do. But you know, you're a genius. So uh, <laughs> I am a genius. In fact, I, I think you'll probably get this figured out. But I think it. Well, I'm saying that the the, the bar loading and stuff is going to take longer than it usually does. Yeah, there's no doubt the bar loading is going to take longer because of They've the fact wait for you there's going to be a whole lot more loading. A lot lo- goes more on. loading, and everybody's got to wait because for you to call the weights. And you stuff. can change your attempt right yep. two times after you give the first. After you give your second attempt, you can change it twice. Yep. And a person might very well elect to do that. Right. In order to buy themselves some rest time for the two minutes if they're following themselves. It's going to happen. You're going to beat the piss out of the loaders this day. And we may decide, if for no other reason, that we can't get anybody to volunteer to load the bar at the meet the next time, to do it with the round system. But we're going to try it this way this time and uh, see how it goes. Right. And then we'll see how much fun we had. And if we didn't have enough fun doing it this way, we'll go back to the round system on it the next time we do one of these. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, we may hate this. This may be the stupidest idea anybody ever had. The three-lift thing was just because why not, right? Yeah. If we're gonna if we're gonna have people train for something like this, we might as well leave the strength component in, and the press gives you some of that. Right. Something you have to train for. Something you have to uh, not just practice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about the strength component. Why was the clean and press removed from the Olympics in 1972? Uh, if I remember correctly, the World Championships in 1971 was the last world meet that involved all three of the lifts. And there are some very good videos around. There's some good black and white video that was taken of that uh, film, obviously taken of that uh, of that meet. And everyone has seen the amazing Sergey Redding clean and press the 502. And this is back when there was a two and a half kilo rule. So this was a 502 clean and press. And Sergey was an amazing athlete. He was uh, he was about five six. He weighed about three sixty five. He was not a fat guy. He was a fire plug of a human being. He was just an amazing strength athlete amazing guy i believe one time he'd been a thrower and you know he just was a he was just a strong explosive powerful man and if you haven't seen the clean and press at 502 of sergey redding at the 71 worlds well you need to watch that uh, the most amazing thing to me about it is the matter-of-fact way with which he cleaned the 502. <laughs> he pulled that clean off the floor like, just, oh, well, now, let's press this. And he did a perfect double layback Olympic press, no knees, 
well, not much knees, but, you know, as, a, as much knee as a good Olympic press ought to have. But it was not a push press. And uh, it was an amazing lift. I mean, you can watch this over and over and never be failed to be just absolutely dumbfounded by how strong this fucking guy was. He just shoves 502 up over his head like it's 135. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then the next attempt at that same meet was Alexiev, who called for 507. And Alexiev comes out, and you compare these two lifts on video. Alexiev comes out, and it did a blatant push press. A blatant knee kick push press. And they gave him the white lights. And this kind of started the it, it, I don't know if it started the discussion because the discussion had been going on for quite some time, but it, it, I think it probably cemented in a lot of people's minds the idea that we really need to. I mean, if, if the judging at these world-level meets is going to be this political, I mean, if you've got two Russian judges and they white-lighted the push press, which should have been, uh, clearly should have been, Red lighted for a push press. Then, uh, you know, we got to, you know, uh, we need to think about this. And there's already two lifts. There's already three lifts in the meet, and it takes a long time to do all three lifts. Metal count is a thing. You know, the old weight classes ended up with a lot of medals. And, uh, and the push press, uh, the press is a little bit tricky to judge. How do you determine whether or not the knee push contributed to the upward movement of the, of the, of the press? Now, we've kind of figured this out in our strength lifting meets where we do a press, and what we have determined is that it's okay to unlock the knees in order to do whatever you want to do with your hips. But if the unlocking of the knees generates upward force as opposed to just allowing the hips to move back, then it's a push press. And the easy way to judge that is to just look at the belt. Does the belt buckle go down during the press? If the belt buckle goes down and then back up, it's a push press. It's easy to see if you think about it like that. But back in 1971, they lacked the desire to do it like this, so they just decided to shorten the meat to two lifts. And that changed the nature of the training for Olympic weightlifting forever because the press was a strength move. And if you're going to have a big press, you've got a press. One of the things that we have rediscovered here 50 years later is that if you're going to have a big press, you really have to press about four days a week. And you've also got to do some bench pressing too because that just adds to upper body strength. But Olympic weightlifters who only are interested in the snatch and the clean and jerk, of course, have uh, decided that they're not going to press because, hey, what does a press have to do with a jerk? or holding a snatch over your head. In other, words, in other words, what does being strong overhead have to do with holding a weight overhead? 
I, I <laughs> you know, you talk to Olympic weightlifting coaches, and they're difficult people. They're, they're, it's a difficult group of people. You know, if you if you can actually sit here and have a, a discussion with a man who doesn't understand that a 700 deadlift might make a 450 clean off the floor easier, and he he disagrees with that, I, I what do you what? Do you not understand acceleration? This, this is a simple physics problem. I mean, it's not, it's not complicated. You know, you got to get under. You got to throw it up and catch it. Throwing involves acceleration. Acceleration involves force production. You know, who produces more force, a 500 deadlifter or a 700 deadlifter? It's not complicated. But since a deadlift is slow and a clean is fast. They'll want to argue with you that, you know, why, why would you practice a slow lift instead of a fast lift since a fast lift is what's going to be done in the meet? As if the lifter comes out for his third attempt, clean and jerk, and pulls it off the floor slowly and then says, oh, hell, I forgot I was cleaning instead of deadlifting. <laughs> Damn. I guess I shouldn't have been doing all those slow deadlifts. You know why a 700 deadlift is slower than a 450 clean? Because it's, Cause it's heavier. Because it's heavier. And heavier weights can't be pulled as fast as lighter weights. And if you want to get better at moving lighter weights fast. It helps if you can produce more force in a shorter period of time. And how do we get to where we can produce more force? By lifting heavy <laughs> weights. <laughs> oh, God. Man, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Uh, it, it will be interesting here in July when we have some Olympic lifters are probably going to show up for this meet. And we're going to get to see the good old-fashioned low hips pull off the floor. Yeah. Again. I think so. That'll, yeah, that's going to be interesting to, you know. Right. Interesting to see. And we'll be able to – what we really need to do is set up a, a camera, have a diagnostic camera set up at 90 degrees – parallel to the bar so we can look at hip position in the people that pull it our way and the people that pull it their way and look at the bar speed and the height of the pull, all that other stuff, and just do a little comparison. And we make a little, might get a couple of videos out of that. Okay? Yep. Uh, like this idiot that commented earlier, <laughs> the hater, who said, Deadlifts and cleans are not the same pull. Uh, how many videos do we have up on the website that compare these two styles of pulls? Just the one? No, there's, there's three. two or three. There's three, I think. There's two or three. Yeah. Where we show. The two most obvious are the Janet Check and the Thrall ones. Those are the two. Because right. they actually have low hips. The girl in Denver, 
did not start. She with didn't really have her hips down low, but it, low. Uh, no, those two are are quite. I mean, and these are people that have trained with low hips, and and you have uh, a pull starting way down low with a vertical back angle, and you have a pull but a more horizontal back angle, which is a deadlift basically. Yep. The deadlift starts position, and you compare the pulls off the floor, and you see. Every single time. And we've been doing this for 10 years. We'll get to, we haven't had a lot of Olympic lifters at the, at the, uh, at the seminars recently, but occasionally we'll still get somebody that was introduced to Olympic weightlifting by a conventional weightlifting coach who thinks that the bar needs to be in front of your toes and your ass needs to be down in a squat position. And, there's always some bizarre explanation for why that position needs to be maintained. What we what we see every single time without exception, every single time without exception, is that when you start with the hips higher, then the bar moves faster off the floor. And when you start with the hips lower, the bar moves slower off the floor. And it doesn't have as much to do with the bar path being straight as we used to think it did. We've got, you know, this is going to come as a shock to people, but we learn too, right? I used to think that the fact that the bar moved faster from the high hips position was because of the fact that the bar was uh, moving through a shorter distance through space because it was straight instead of an S-curve. And while that is true, the reason that the bar moves faster off the floor when the hips are higher is because you are pulling the bar off the floor with a more horizontal back angle when the hips are higher. And since the back is more horizontal, the moment arm between the hip and the gravity vector is longer. And the longer moment arm allows you to more effectively accelerate the barbell from the floor to the top of the pull. With a longer moment arm, you're more efficient at accelerating the barbell. This is, of course, if you're strong enough to maintain a horizontal back angle for that period of time, which is another reason you want to do some deadlifts. <laughs> but the longer moment arm is the key. It's not, it, now the bar path is straighter. There's less wiggling around doing nonlinear things in a, a high hips start position. But the high hip start position moves the bar faster in the clean. And if the bar is moving faster, then the bar at the top of the pull has more momentum and it goes higher than it does if it's moving slower. This is just arithmetic, okay? And it, furthermore, the, the visual evidence for this is quite obvious. You can, not only does the bar travel higher at the same weight with the higher hips pull, it goes through that range of motion much more quickly. And that's visible to the people standing there watching this. Every one of them will tell you, yeah, it's faster. Faster is higher. Faster is velocity. Faster is momentum. Since velocity and mass is momentum, velocity makes the bar go higher. 
And if it goes higher, then it's easier to rack. And you can put more weight on it and therefore clean heavier weights. This works in the snatch as well. The faster you can get the bar moving with better pulling mechanics, then the more weight you can lift on your third attempt using those better pulling mechanics. But everybody still wants to have an argument about this, and I don't care. I don't care. If you guys want to continue to place 30th in the world, go ahead. It's fine with me. There's only 1,500 of you in the country anyway. We don't make a lot of money off the Olympic weightlifting community. We're just doing this little meet because it'll be fun. If you guys want to come and show your ass, <laughs> your silly-ass low-hip start position, that's fine with me. Come on and do it. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll learn something. Probably not. But maybe you'll learn something. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, you better enter it here pretty quick, or the thing's gonna be full. Because this will be a fun deal to get to kind of see the an Olympic weightlifting meet the way it was 60 years ago, the way these extremely strong mastodon motherfuckers from York did it back in the day, back when a 300 pound press was baseline. Yeah. Yep. You know. We had some very strong men. Things have to happen in training to make a 300-pound press uh, occur at a yeah. meet that are just not part of the situation anymore. Not part of and modern not, Olympic weightlifting. Not, I mean, you, why would you argue that getting weaker would make you a better lifter? Yeah. But that's what they argue. The problem is that it's like any other sport. There's no, there's no, there's no actual method, right? So you're – when you say all this stuff, you're not actually arguing with any individual person because they don't have a method. They don't. If you if you oh, talk no. to five different Olympic weightlifting coaches, they'll all say five different things. Yes. And they'll all put their all you got to do is go go to a, a go to like hook grip and look at right. you know they post videos of lifters all the time, and uh, everybody starts. Some start with hips low. Some start with hips high. You know. Then the assumption is that they're all correct. They're all competing at high levels. But there's no there's no analysis there's no explanation right. there's no there's a, there's a specific person who will say this thing is correct and then that explanation is back engineered to right. whatever they they think because they have no model they have no understanding of the mechanics involved no. it's just all this is what I see and this is what my experience tells me but and, I don't really and, understand and what's furthermore happening. how does the best in the world do it well, that's what I mean exactly yeah how does the best guy in the world do it well that must be right because he is therefore the best in the world. That but even is when a they're serious talking about, logic Even error. when they're talking about the best in the world, they don't actually understand what they're seeing No, is, is the other problem. It's, it's not been my experience that these guys are prepared to talk about mechanics exactly. in, terms of, right. in terms of these pulls. Yep. I haven't seen anybody deal with the mechanics. Sure. And when you ask them why they coach it that way, they say, without fail, they'll always say, well, this is the way we do it. Yep. And it works because we, you know, my guy won the seniors last year. Right. You know, therefore it works. And if it's working, why improve it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> why would you want to improve something that's already working? Right. That's exactly what they're saying. Why would I want to improve something that works well enough to win the American Open? I, I don't know. 
if that's uh, your standard, uh, it's a hard argument to beat. It, it is a hard argument uh, to beat. But but there can still be a correct way, or efficient, correct way to do things. Yeah. And then in in practice, things can deviate. Do whatever the fuck you want. But right. uh, don't. There's no. There's no. If there's gonna, and we talked about this a, like a, a, on a different episode, but there's no arguing with the analysis of the first principles and the concepts. Right. And that's that's where our that's where our argument comes from. And the reason we have developed that argument is because of what we're trying to do. We don't care if you want to go to an Olympic weightlifting meet. We are trying to teach you how to do the power clean for strength training in the most efficient way possible. Just like we're teaching you to squat, press, deadlift, and bench press in the most efficient way possible. So we just pulled back and looked at the first principles. Gravity, uh, moment arms, leverage, topics, this sort of thing. And how does the skeleton work? How do the muscles move the skeleton? What's going on here? What do these angles mean? And all this stuff, and and as a result, we've arrived at these conclusions, and we hadn't had anybody refute them. I mean, you're welcome to try, because if we're wrong, we'll just steal what you did and change it, because we're interested in what's best, not our egos, okay? But if your ego is so thoroughly wrapped up in the idea that you have to clean with your ass down low and the bar out in front of your feet, that you can't see the physical analysis of the pulling mechanics or are not willing to look at it, then you're not very good at what you do. Okay? So, I mean, the snatch and a clean and jerk are pulls off the floor. And a, and a drive overhead, okay? And it's a, it's a mechanical interaction between the human body and a barbell, and it is analyzable, right? It's, it's, I've actually heard that there are as many ways to clean the bar as there are lifters. Now, that's just stupid. That's deeply stupid. A deeply stupid statement. I've also heard uh, Olympic lifting coaches say that the snatch and the clean and jerk are the most complex movements in all of athletics. That's my favorite thing. These guys are these that's, guys are very you know that you get you get these CrossFitters that get into Olympic weightlifting because they get tired of getting beat to shit, right? Right. Or you get and they go get a USAW cert, and then they get very precious about their knowledge. Right. Of mechanics, of strength training, yeah. of how because they've of, been taught that this is elite. Of how, yeah, of how uh, difficult and how elite is the perfect word. This thing right. that they're doing now is right. And the fact of the matter is, if you start off with a a a, a athlete, a kid of you know average or above average uh, athletic ability. You know, a person that learns things with their body relatively efficiently. If you can't get within 95% of mechanical accuracy on a snatch, coaching him in four or five months, then you, sir, are not a very good coach. All right? and, and they you don't can. spend a lifetime 
developing technique. No. Right. And they it, can't. The only way you can develop, you spend a lifetime developing technique is if nobody told you what technique it's supposed to be. Right. Right. And we know what it's supposed to be. It's not that complicated. You can make it complicated if you want it to be because that makes you look real smart and shit. But the fact that you can't articulate what the technique ought to be is an interesting thing to me. Yeah, right. and here's another thing that makes us different and and way better. You know, it's uh, most people that choose to do something like Olympic weightlifting are self-selecting. You know, so they're going to be doing this thing. They have the the ability to get into the positions. Uh, they have some athletic ability. The way we teach the lifts, we can get anybody to do them. Yes. And we and, can do it today. Right. It doesn't take three months. And I've that's watched why. I've watched Olympic weightlifters try to teach a perfectly healthy, relatively athletic person who's never done a lift like that before, tr- attempt to teach this person for weeks and weeks just hammering at it. And then they just throw up their hands and give up. Uh, and it's the lifter's fault. It's the so lifter's fault. That's it's always exactly the lifter's right. fault. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah. It's, always yeah. A li- it's never the goddamn guy that's trying to coach this that doesn't know how to explain what he wants, and more important than that, really doesn't know what he's looking for. No idea. That's right. Doesn't know what he's looking for in terms of the display of this mechanical model. Yep. So they blame the lifter. Yep. They blame the lifter. It's a it's it's an amazing thing. It's and I've watched it over and over. I you know boys and girls, uh, I went to. And you'll hear people say that I don't know anything about Olympic weightlifting. And, you know, maybe I don't. All right? Uh, But I've been coaching the Olympic lift since 1985. Actively in my gym since 1985. I've been coaching the Olympic lifts. I went to the USWF Level 1 course, which was a big, long resident experience at the Olympic Training Center in 1989 and had a lot of really good people on faculty at that at that uh, seminar. It was a week-long thing, it was a total immersion thing, it was a great opportunity to meet a bunch of people. In 1989, I'm senior coach, USAW. Uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time, but the, the, you know, all of this got all politically fucked up back in the 2000s uh, because of various personalities and shit that I'm not interested in discussing. And as a result, the, the rumor became that Ripto didn't. He never coached any Olympic lifters at a high level. That's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. Our team sent people to the Pan Ams. I coached all of them. They'll all tell you that. So, I mean, if you, you know. But even but, so. But, but, but even, but, but even so. It doesn't back matter. Back to the original point. It doesn't the, matter. You're, you're right. The, the, the measure of a coach, of a, of a good coach, isn't how successful you can make already successful people. The yes. measure of a good coach is how many absolute fucking beginner wombats can you get doing something relatively well. And right. we do it every month. Can you develop a model 
of a pull that can be taught to everybody, that can be applied to everybody. If I go to the senior nationals and I watch the guy miss his second attempt snatch, I ought to be able to tell you by watching the lift why the lift was missed. Because there's a mechanical reason for this. It's not because he didn't want it. It's not because he's afraid of the weight. Something was wrong with the pull. What was it? And what are you now telling to fix that in the warm-up room? Okay? And most of you can't do that. Where that information is actually quite accessible, it's not complicated, it's easy to learn, but if you'd rather pretend as though this is an art form as opposed to applied mechanical science, then you go right ahead. But this is not an art form, all right? If you actually believe that the snatch and the clean and the jerk, three movements, three movement patterns that take less than a second apiece to execute, are more complicated than skiing down the side of an ice-covered mountain at 95 miles an hour without getting killed, then you are seriously delusional. You are delusional. Olympic weightlifting is not that complicated. Get in a boxing ring. <laughs> yeah. Judo. You know. Any, anything. You know, our friend Rob Miller... <laughs> Uh, developed a, an interesting model several years ago called, uh, and we we published this on the on the board as uh, what was the name I of the article? The map, the map of, of athletic athletic performance performance or something like that, where he made the interesting distinction between repetitive and non-repetitive movement pathways. All right, so Olympic lifting and powerlifting are examples of repetitive movements. A dive is, a, is an example of a repetitive movement. A gymnastics movement is a, an example of something that's repeated over and over and over again. Uh, a, a BJJ match is an example of something that is absolutely not repeated at any point during the thing. There are some skills, but each time you apply them, they're going to be applied in a little bit different context, and you make it up as you go along. Downhill skiing, it's the mountain is covered with black ice. It's steep. You're going 95 miles an hour and trying to slalom around these goddamn poles. On the way down the side of the hill, it's a little bit different than it was last time. You've got to know how to do this as the conditions present themselves to you. They're two completely separate displays of athletic ability. And if you can't learn how to do a snatch, a clean, and a jerk in about six months, then you can't be Olympic, an Olympic lifter. And for your coach to say it takes a lifetime to develop technique, that means you've got a coach that doesn't know what technique is. That's all that means. You you've met you, you've met people who do this kind of stuff. Like think of a guy who's I don't know anything that's that's very complicated and very difficult. Uh, I'm thinking like a free climber, uh, a high yeah. level judo guy, a high level right. wrestler, a boxing guy. 
uh, right. things things that are very very difficult actually take a lifetime to get better at. Yes. What what and I, I hate to be this way, but what kind of people are they? What like they're they're good people. Yes. Because the shit's hard, and they're yeah, humble, and they're and, and they have a, and they have a very un, good understanding of where they fit in fucking reality. Because they've been beaten. <laughs> Because right. they've been beaten. Right. And they're also crazy. Yeah. Yeah. High level athletes all have a certain level of mental illness. Yeah. Don't don't forget that. Okay? These people are not normal. Yeah. They're not normal. Uh placing first in the Olympics means by definition that you have lost your mind. You are extremely O C D. Something's wrong with you. All right? And it's good that you found an outlet for that because you wouldn't be worth a damn in a regular job, would you? Yeah. Um, you know, I. God damn, uh, another another even, thing that Olympic lifter, Olympic lifting organizations all seem to miss, which is which is also tied into this, in that in that last idea is the fact that every one of these. Every one of these organizations always wants to hire the best lifter that they coach. can hire right. for their head coach. Yep. The best lifter they can hire for their head coach. Right? Yep. And and they do it all the time. They do it all. Pierce Demas was hired for the men's coach for USA weightlifting. Yep. Why? What would make you think that the best lifter that you could get would also be the best communicator of the thing that he's the best in the world at doing. Do you not understand that there's a, in every one of these sports, there's an extremely important, extremely important genetic component to their ability to execute at that high level. And you can't communicate genetics. You can't do this, but the, we it's been everybody's experience everybody's experience if you'll stop and think about it for just a minute the shittiest coaches in the world are quite often the best athletes let's say it another way the best athletes the world champion in any sport is probably going to be just damn near the worst coach of that sport that you can find just like um, a Ph.D. mathematician has no business trying to teach college algebra to freshmen because he doesn't understand why you don't already understand what is so simple to him. Coaching athletics is the same way. You know, who are the best coaches? And we've said this lots and lots of times. The best coaches are the guys that were mediocre athletes that wanted really, really bad to be better than they are and tried everything they could try and learned a whole bunch of things about trying and doing and communicating and thinking about it on the way to becoming a little bit better than mediocre. All right? Tom Landry was not an exceptionally good football player. Right, but who's been a better coach than Tom Landry? Maybe I'm just prejudiced because I'm from Texas. Vince Lombardi was he? 
Was Vince Lombardi the best football player on earth? Hell no, he wasn't. You know, but you think of these extremely iconic people that were coaching, and every single one of them is a mediocre at best athlete because they're two different skills. Exactly. They're two completely different activities. Yeah, and one doesn't imply success in the other. Oh, absolutely not. My God, I remember when they hired Dragomir Shiroslin as the as the head coach at, at USA Weightlifting. And Dragomir's a nice guy. I've been around him a lot. He's a he's as nice a guy as there is. He really is a gentleman, a fine man. But he was not a coach. He was not a coach. I was in the warm up room. No, we were in the, in the training hall at uh, the Olympic Training Center uh, one day when we were at uh, a regional coaching camp up there. And the team was in there training. And Wes Barnett, who was a very good lifter for the United States for several years, uh, was uh, in, uh, in their training, and he was snatching that day. And... He had 160 on the bar. He had 160 on the bar. I'll never forget this. As long as I live, he had 160 on the bar. He missed it three times. And Dragomir used to just walk around with his hands behind his back. He was famous for walking around with his hands behind his back. So Wes goes up, pulls 160, drops it in front of him. Dragomir <laughs> Walks around, tisk tisk tisk. You know, walks around, and uh, you know, five minutes later, Wes got ready to do his. You know, try it again. He pulls the thing off the floor, misses it, same miss. Right? Dragomir shaking his head. Just disappointment. Just no disappointment. Coaching. No. Not, not a word. Wow. You know, maybe, man, you got to make this. Right? Missed it a third time. Chalked it up to a bad day. Yep. Not one piece of mechanical advice about what to do differently to make it the next time. They're not interested in looking at the pull, analyzing what they see, feeding that back into what they know the model of the pull should look like, comparing the differences, and then coaching it. They don't do that. I have been in not hundreds, but, you know, scores of – Warm ups room, warm up rooms at national meets, regional meets, at, and I, and I've I've brought this up to a lot of people that that are in our organization that have also had extensive competitive experience in the Olympic lifts, and uh, I've I've asked them a question: Have you ever seen an Olympic weightlifting coach in the warm up room at a meet coaching technique? And nobody has ever seen it done. Now think about that for a minute. I've never seen it done. 
Meggers hadn't seen it done. Wells hadn't seen it done. These people are, you know, well, it's high not, level lift. They, 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 you know, the thing you got to remember though is you, that is that coaching is. Uh, Good coaching is extremely rare, and it's not yes. so. It's not just limited to Olympic weightlifting. Now, I think one thing I just I'm, I'm thinking about here right now is that you know powerlifting is much less forgiving. Yes. Right. So so maybe the 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 what you see in powerlifting because it's less forgiving, um, it, it, shit either happens or it doesn't. Right. Right. Where there there's you're dealing with with relatively lighter weights in Olympic weightlifting, so there's this whole other thing. But look, you know I, I I'm doing some kind of a class or training or something at least every other month where I'm paying somebody a bunch of money to mm-hmm. do stuff. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've, I've done stuff my entire life and it, until you've, until you've, you know, we've all played sports, we've all done all these different things in, in school and stuff, but, but it, it makes you realize that, that good coaching is incredibly rare. It's more rare than, right. than high performing athletes. Oh Yeah. It's incredibly because rare. You could perform as at a high level as an athlete with virtually no coaching at all. Right. Yep. And it's done all the time. Yep. It's done all the time, which points out an interesting, uh, an interesting situation. How much better could that person have been as an athlete had they received good, good coaching? That's right. That's right. Anybody- you know, I mean, here here you got a situation back in the nineties, where uh, in the late nineties, where Shane Hammond, Shane Hammond. 365, 36-inch vertical at 365. I've seen the man squat 804 in his weightlifting shoes, a pair of shorts, and a T-shirt. No belt. (laughs) I've seen him squat 804 and then rack the bar. And somebody said, Shane, show him your backflip. And performed five... Standing backflips, <laughs> having just racked eight oh four at a body this, weight of three at a body weight of three sixty five. This man was he was unusual, and they couldn't teach him how to. And snatch. they couldn't teach this guy how to snatch. Couldn't teach him how to snatch. He's a power lifter. He comes to your program because he's strong. He's explosive. You think you can make an Olympic lifter out of him? But you don't know how. And you know what they said about Shane? Because they didn't know how to teach him to get under a snatch, how to pull it correctly. Well, it's Shane's fault. Yeah, it's his fault. It's Shane's fault. He's afraid. He's scared of the weight. Guy who squatted 1,000 plus. Guy squatted 1,008. Scared of the bar. Is scared of 427. Yeah. How do you have the gall? To blame your fucking inadequacy on that physical genius. The man is a physical genius, and you don't know how to exploit it. So it's his fault. Yep. I like to get that off my chest every time I see it. <laughs> that's, that's shameful. But that's what they do. Because yep. they don't know how to coach. So... Uh, Anyway, uh, those are just a few thoughts I've got. I've got a few questions for you. Yeah, all right. Go ahead. Um, 
first, I think we should say that this meet, uh, if you're at all interested in doing this and you're able to do them, you should you should sign up and train for it. It's going to be it, it's beginner friendly. You know, I don't think right. it necessarily requires that you have a bunch of Olympic lift, lifting experience. No, we're going to kind of guide you through it. A lot of people have not had any experience with the progression yep. on the bar method of running a meet. Right. But I've done a hundred of these things, and I know what to do. And we'll it'll be a good time. We'll, we'll have a good time. Yep. We'll get it all done. And then for the people out there who are are, are signed up or are going to sign up, so I, I I think you should cover if you're a novice, how do you get ready for this? If you're an intermediate, how do you get ready for this? If you're an advanced lifter, how do you get ready for this? Well, all right, that's a very good question. If you are a novice lifter, you have been doing the press, you've been doing squat, bench, deadlift, and you're supposed to have been doing the power clean. If you haven't been doing the power clean, don't enter the meet. Right. Because you don't want to do the power clean or you would have been doing it. And this meet is about fast movement. So just you're not eligible. Sign up next year. Sign up next year after you've trained the clean for a while. All right. But don't start the clean to do this meet. If you've already been doing the clean and you've been doing the press, then you're going to have to what you're going to have to do is start pressing your cleans. This is may require quite a bit of adjustment in the weight that you're cleaning because lots of people can clean more than they can press. A few people can press a whole lot more than they can clean. They're not always the same. You know, it's not always the same thing. So if you're a novice and you're doing these lifts, you're going to have to do the clean and press. If you're a novice, in our method, you're going to have to learn how to snatch, and you're going to have to learn how to jerk. Right? You just you're going to have to probably get some help on that. And where you're going to get the help, I don't know because they're going to tell you all this stupid <laughs> shit about your. You need to have your ass low and your chest up high and the bar way over there someplace. There yeah. might be somebody at a gym, though, at a starting strength gym or at a at an affiliate that wants to do this. So you can get the instruction if you want to, but it's you're going to have to go out of your way to do it. You're going to have to. Well, here, here's an example. We don't te- generally speaking, we don't teach the snatch as a part of the novice method. All right. Yeah, but for example, Brent Brent's going to have uh, I think eight of the people signed up are from Brent's gym, so he's he may very well have a late novice or something in there that may have just learned how to snatch. Mm-hmm. may have been doing the power clean. So Well, we'll see. You're going to deadlift you know. one day. You're going to power snatch and power clean. And then on the day you power clean, maybe clean, uh, press that clean. Press the clean, sure. And, and, and nothing if, else changes in terms of programming. Right. Just leave it alone. Yeah, you're going to have to – yeah, in terms of programming for this thing, you're going to have to add the snatch. You have to add the snatch. And you're, if you're going to – the snatch requires a lot of practice, and you're going to have to snatch – at least twice a week, because you can't practice it enough unless you're unless you're doing it at least twice a week. Now, once you, if you get to be a actual no shit Olympic lifter, you snatch every day, because yep. these things have to be practiced, have to be practiced, and uh, you got to do them over and over and over and over. You got to practice the clean, and then you're going to have to practice both the the press and the jerk following the clean. In other words, you have to practice the idea that the clean is not the end of the movement. And this takes some adjustment. You're going to have to know what to do with your hands. You're going to have to learn how to not stand there on the platform with a thing in your hands for 10 or 15 seconds, trying to psychologically prepare yourself 
to do what what comes next. You have to learn the best lifters in the world clean the bar. They rack the bar on the shoulders. They take one breath, and they jerk it. They don't stand there and pray. This is not the time for prayer, all right? This is the time for action. You rack the bar. You take a breath, and you jerk it. The same goes for the press, all right? Snatch is one movement. So you've, you've got to practice these things. You've got to practice all three of these movements. And if you're a novice and you want to do this, this is going to require quite a bit of rearrangement of the novice program. But don't ever forget the fact that strength is the basis of power. If you Who cleans more weight, a man with a 200-pound deadlift or a man with a 500-pound deadlift? It really is that simple. Yeah. I think the situation would be somebody who maybe came from CrossFit and has some experience with doing the, the lifts, and they're in the middle of a novice program. And, right. And then it would just be a, some, some slight program modifications. But it sounds like the, I, the better or more ideal situation would be that you've already, f- you, you've already gone through the novice, mm-hmm. and then you're an intermediate. And now, if you you've start- come from CrossFit, the chances are very, very good that you're not very strong. Sure. Because so you've you never might, completed the novice. So you might be doing a novice strength program, and then right. still have the ability to kind of come in and do the, right, do the and lifts. then add the 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 three lifts in yep. on at the end of the workout, right? Instead of the front of the workout. Yep. For that level, you know, I would put them in as practice. But ideal situation right. is get through the novice program and then and then add in the Olympic lifts, right? And for more advanced lifters. Uh, if you're a more advanced lifter in terms of in terms of your strength, you're an intermediate advanced lifter, and you want to do this, you're going to have to do the three meat lifts first in the workout mm. when you're fresh, so that you get the best quality of practice on these things. And remember, remember this very important, very important thing: you cannot practice doing a 95% snatch by doing 70% snatches. The movement pattern is different between a 95% third attempt snatch and a 70% warm-up. They're two different movements. And it's fairly easy to understand, and I'll just explain it quickly. If you've, the mechanical system of any pull or any lift is... The cent- it involves the center of mass of the lifter, which is you, and the barbell, which is the barbell. All right? Now, if I load an empty bar on your shoulders, where's the center of mass of the lifter-barbell system? Well, it's very, very close to your center of mass. Whereas, if I load an 800-pound barbell on your back, where's the center of mass of the lifter-barbell system? It's very, very close to the center of mass of the barbell. Two mechanical systems. Two different mechanical systems because the center, the combined center of mass is in a different place. And the same is true of a pull. As your snatch goes from 60% to 70% to 80% to 85% to 90% to 92% to 94% to 96%. More than just the weight on the bar is changing. 
the mechanical relationship between your center of mass and the barbell center of mass is in a different place at every weight. And therefore, the pull is different. And therefore, practice at 70% is not the same thing as practice at 95%. You cannot practice 70% snatches and make your third attempt deadlift at the meet. You're going to miss it. In fact, this is, you know, power lifters don't seem to understand this a lot of times, but very seldom does a good lifter at an Olympic weightlifting meet make his third attempt snatch if he hasn't done it several times in at the gym because you have to practice these things. They're complicated. They have to be practiced. You have to do a lot of practice on the Olympic lifts because it's they are technically complicated. <clears throat> they're not downhill skiing, but they're technically complicated and they must be practiced. And practice at for a 95% snatch is not accomplished by doing 70%, and that's why. Okay. So, uh, if you're an advanced lifter, then that's, you know. Is there any is there any issue, um, I mean, just to keep this as simple as possible, if, if you had a guy and, and he, he was going to do a four-day training schedule, tell me if this makes sense. Monday, all three lifts. Tuesday, strength day, so squat, press, deadlift. Mm -hmm. Thursday, three lifts again. And then Friday, squat, bench, deadlift. That could work. At least, at least initially, right? It, it could work initially. Yeah. Now, if you are really serious about this, you're going to have to probably train six days a week. Okay, yeah. Six shorter workouts a week because of the practice element yep. that's involved in the snatch and the clean and jerk. So you're going to snatch multiple times over that yes. week. And the fact that the press likes to be done four days a week. If you're going to press at a high level, you have to do a lot of presses. Because right. yeah. believe it or not, presses are technically – as complicated as snatches. Yep. In other words, they tolerate no more deviation from the correct bar path than a snatch does. You know, it's, it's more than just shoving the damn thing up over your head. If you get one centimeter out of line, you're going to miss the third attempt. You'll miss it because snatches or presses are incredibly sensitive to the mechanics of the movement. And Anything that's incredibly sensitive to that level of mechanical efficiency has to be practiced. So everybody that's good at presses trains them four days a week. And that's always been the case. It was the case at York back in the 60s. All those guys pressed damn near every day. Pressed heavy weights. And they were strong. And the way you get that way is to do it all the time. They bench, too. They didn't bench much, but they didn't bench often. But uh, one of the things that you learn is that if your press is real strong, your bench is probably real strong too. But that if your press, if your bench press is real strong, you may not have shit for a press. They're right. just two completely separate things. They contribute to each other one more than the other. But but you need to do some benches. But not, you know, if you've been benching a lot, that's probably the least of your concerns in this, in this process. So that's what I would do. It depends entirely on your level of training advancement as to how you get prepared for this three-lift meet. Okay, if you're, uh, 
But whatever you do, don't stop deadlifting and squatting. You have to be strong. Strong makes up for bad technique. You can do things wrong if you're stronger than if you're not strong. You can tolerate more deviation from perfect mechanical efficiency if you're strong enough to tolerate the deviation. Yeah, and the strength training never ends. So the, the especially if you're just starting out in this or, you know, in the first 6 months of this type of type of stuff, uh, this is strictly practice. You're not you're not getting much strength benefit at if any from practicing the snatch Right. The clean and press, and the, even the clean and jerk. Right. And then the so snatch is, is not going to make your deadlift go up. This is practice. And, yeah, so you, you have to keep squats. You have to keep heavy squats. The strength base has to be there if you want to do this effectively. And this is one of the biggest problems that recreational Olympic weightlifters in this country have always had. They think of Olympic lifting as a dance, not as a strength sport. Yep. Oh, I remember a kid that came in the gym, a little skinny guy came in the gym. He had a had an Olympic weightlifting coach. He was from up north. He was at the base for six weeks or something like that, and he wanted to train. We had the equipment, and we, you know, watched him train a couple of times, and he'd just snatch and clean his jerk and left. Yep. And then third time he came, he asked him, when are you going to – what do you do that's heavy? Snatch and a clean and jerk. He said, well, I <laughs> snatch and clean and jerk heavy. Well, when do you squat? Well, my coach doesn't have me doing those. Yeah. But like once every two or three weeks. Right. When do you deadlift? Well, he told me not to deadlift because deadlifts are slow and cleans are, cleans are fast. There you go. There you go. So... What else? You have another question? I think that was it. Hold on. All. Let me check my notes. Check your notes. notes. We don't want to leave anything out. That would be wrong. It would be wrong to leave things out. That's all I got. We're going to – if it right. goes well, which I think it will, we'll do it every year, maybe twice a year. We'll see. Well, we can so stand if, to do it twice a year. So if probably. you don't catch it this time, uh, you know, start This start won't training. be the last time it's ever done unless everybody dies. Yeah, right. You know? Like the last meet we had. Like right? the last meet, the – Disaster. We can't we tolerate any more death. No, we don't want any deaths. But you uh, know, because you know, hearses come and it looks the bad. coroner and all this shit. It's it bad. it's bad. For One day the insurance bad will stop publicity. Stop paying out too. Right. Um, but sign up, or you know, if if you don't catch it this time, start training, start practicing the lifts, and sign up the next one. Yeah. And if this is in uh, July, oh, I would imagine we if we enjoy this, we'll probably have another one towards the end of the year. And we might just try the next one. Just even if this one goes well, I think we're going to try the next one with the round system, just to see how everybody likes it. Yep. You know, and then we'll collect feedback from the lifters and say, well, which, you know, what which one do you like best? Yep. And let them tell us what they want to do. Right. Because th- these aren't sanctioned by anybody. We're just holding the meets. Yep. And everybody loves to compete. And, we have fun doing them, and it's a great group of people that show up. You know, there are very few idiots, except for that guy that went out in the parking lot and smoked. Smoked, yeah. Between attempts, I don't. That guy's, he's odd. But there was uh, between attempts, no shit. But uh, he was going out smoking. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that guy was a. He was a. He was a. He uh, pressed like three hundred pounds though. He's a strong guy, strong but he, as shit. what a lunatic! Yeah. God almighty. Anyway, uh, those of you that are, I mean, if 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 you're inclined to do this, just go ahead and sign up. You know, I'll bet. In fact, I'll bet that by if you haven't signed up already, we had some slots available. That by now, by the end of this show, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, they're gone. Might be. And if we, us not knowing how long it's going to take to run this meet, I don't think we ought to go past thirty. So. Uh, yeah, thirty's the the limit, I think. But if you are look, if you're within driving distance, I would certainly encourage you to show up just to watch because this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be something that hadn't happened in a long time. Now I say that, and somebody's going to probably. <laughs> Call say, hey man, we had a three lift Olympic meet last year, and we didn't see your ass there. Well, you didn't tell me. You know, could've I might not us. have gone anyway. But I mean, you could have told us. Now nah, we'll find out. You still want to be well, invited, even if you don't go, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody likes to be invited, yep. even if you have no intention of going to right. something. You want to be invited. It's the thought that counts. There right? you go. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks for watching us again on Starting Strength Radio. Those of you that have subscribed to our, our channel, you guys are our buds. <laughs> and we're doing this for you guys. The rest of the, there'll be some clips out, but the, the whole experience, I think, is certainly worth it. Don't you? See you next time. <laughs>